you know, when I was praying and it's always such an honour to bring the Word of God. I don't take it lightly. I, um, I really don't. I, I honour my pastors for trusting me in doing this. Can we honour our pastors here tonight? They're amazing. We love you. Thank you for everything you've done and invested in me. And, you know, um, when I was praying, I felt the Lord say that we're in a day, we're in a move of God in this place. You know, the church is on the move throughout the earth and I believe that God is calling us to wake up. It's time for us to wake up, people. We are children of God. He is calling us to be awake, to be alert to what He's doing in the earth. And it's not some weak, flimsy thing. His move, His power is coming on earth and it is moving through us as His children in Jesus' name. You know, I, I got this word not too long ago and I, I saw... You know, I saw this awakening in our generation, in today, in the church today. And I'm telling you, church, we can't be like the Israelites who walked around the wilderness and didn't see what God was doing. They didn't see what God was doing. He was bringing miracles. He was bringing manna. He was, he was giving them what they were asking for, yet they were blinded because of fear and insecurity and whatever else, doubt, unbelief. They were blind to it. And God was like, don't be. those. It's, God didn't want us. God didn't, I don't believe it wanted them to walk around the wilderness for 40 years, yet they did. They fought battles that maybe they didn't have to fight. I want, to, I want us to be the church of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus was called to the wilderness. He was led to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights by the Holy Spirit. And He did exactly what He needed to do. He was awake and He was alert. He was awake to what God was doing. He knew exactly what the Father wanted of him. And he was also very awake and very alert to the enemy. And he fought the enemy and wasn't tempted by the enemy with his word, with the word of God. And I want us to be the church that walks in and walks out of those seasons, walks into the wilderness and walks right out because God was with us the whole time and we were awake and we were alert to the things of God that we were not fearful, we were not doubtful, we, weren't be we were believing what everything that God had wanted for us in Jesus' mighty name. So Lord, right now, God, I declare that every eye be open and every ear be open to hear and see all that you're doing in your church today, Father God. Every heart to be open to receive everything that you are doing, every dream, every desire, Lord God, that you see it and you know every life in this place. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, by the will, by your sovereign hand, those things will come to pass in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I thank you for a spirit of revelation will pour out on this place and that we would know you in ways that we have never known you before. Jesus, we lift you up and we pray, Father God, that we would have a revelation of who you are, God. We want to know you, Jesus. Let a fire be imparted here tonight, a fire in the hearts of your people to know you, God, to know you and trust you and lean solely on you, Father God, that every circumstance will be stilled. Father God, in the name of Jesus, because of your Holy Spirit, God, leading us and guiding us in Jesus' mighty name. C3 Silverwater said, Amen. Amen. Can we give him a shout of praise in this place? He's worthy, church. Thank you, God. You're so worthy. Well, take your seats here tonight. It's going to be a great night in the house. Thank you, band. Can we give the band a hand? Such amazing people, some of the bestest people in the whole world. Love them. Just going to have a drink. It's hot in here. Is it just the Holy Spirit? Amen.
hey, it's, um, it's going to be a great night. I truly believe this word is something that I'm walking and I'm, I'm doing. And, you know, I don't like to come up here and just prepare a message. Um, you know, I don't want to be one of those people that comes before you and, and preaches out of a place that I haven't been before. And, um, you know, I believe that what's coming out here tonight is, is a timely message. I believe that it's a very present message and that um, God wants to shift some things in, in our hearts tonight. He wants to impart some stuff here tonight, some really good stuff. And um, Pastor Hartley said it at the start, I really believe that there's going to be a move of God here tonight. And I don't know what you're facing, but I truly, truly pray that this word encourages you and that, you know, your faith is built here tonight because it's really something that's come out of me and um, truly believing that, you know, it's building my faith and I hope it does the same for you. But um, I've recently have a re- have had a lot of revelation about the sovereignty of God, so that's what I want to speak on here tonight. And I looked up what sovereign, like God's sovereignty actually means, right? Because that's what you do. I sort of had an idea about it, but I wanted to hear what the Bible said about it, and I found this. It says, the sovereignty of God is the biblical teaching that all things, under, that all things are under God's control and rule, and that nothing happens without his direction or permission. God works not just some things, but all things according to the counsel of his word and will. His purposes are all inclusive and never thwarted. Nothing takes him by surprise. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that nothing takes him by surprise. That comforts me. This sovereignty, the sovereignty of God is not merely that God has the power and the right to govern all things, but that he does so always and without exception. In other words, God is not merely sovereign in principle, but sovereign in practice. So church, I just want to make a little disclaimer that God's sovereignty is not about control. It's not about do's or don'ts and cans and can'ts. It's about, it's actually quite the contrary. For me, it's given me comfort. It makes me feel protected and and guided and, and totally in complete peace that God has a plan for my life that God knows exactly where each one of us is going. He knows exactly what tomorrow is going to bring. He knew exactly what was coming yesterday and he knows exactly what's coming for tomorrow in Jesus' name. So I don't want us to, I don't want us to get the wrong perception of his sovereignty here because it does say that, God's, that it is God's rule and control. You know, and the way that the world sometimes views control is not the way that God does. You know, I, I liken it to... A child, I, I'm not a mother, I do work with children who absolutely need boundaries in their life. And I know how important and how imperative boundaries are to a child's life. So how much more are boundaries needed for our lives from our Heavenly Father? You know, boundaries bring safety, they bring comfort, they bring guidance, and we've just come out of an awesome, awesome theme and series in Psalm 23, and how God is our good shepherd and leads us through life, leads us through those seasons of life, good, bad, ugly, he leads us through. And you know, I see the sovereign hand of God like that in my life. I don't see it as control. I don't see the Bible as a book of do's and don'ts and things that I can do and can't do, but I I look at it like my boundaries in life, like the path that I want to live to be the best person that I possibly can. And hey, we're human, so we're going to make mistakes and things are going to, you know, get messy sometimes. But his grace and his love and his sovereign hand, nothing catches him by surprise, amen? He knew, he knows exactly where we're going and exactly what we're doing. So what have I learned recently about the sovereign hand of God? I've learned this, that he knows the way. 
He knows the way. Um, at the start of this year, I uh, went away with some friends and I remember walking out one morning on, on, a lake, on the lake where we were staying and it was actually a real um, it's a precious place to me. I've grown up there for 20-something 20, 20 years. I won't give away how old I am, how, how young I am. Um, and I remember walking out one morning and I really, I was, you know, in prayer and I just thought, you know what, God, it's New Year, it's around that time. Give me a word for this year. Like, what's my word for this year? And he said, Chrissy, I'm leading you to the wilderness. And I was like, seriously? That's what I get? <laughs> Last year was boot camp and this year's the wilderness. What's going on, God? And he goes, you know, I've got, to, I've got to do some stuff in you. I've got to build some stuff in you. I've got to change some things in you. And he gave me this word, Isaiah 43, 19. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry land. Thank God that he gave me the option of going into the wilderness, but giving me the promise that he was going to lead me out. Church, life is seasonal. We're going to have seasons of wilderness. We're going to have desert seasons. There's areas in our lives that are going to look like the desert and going to look like the wilderness, but God's word is true and he promises a way out and he promises rivers and waters in those dry lands in Jesus' name. I'm so thankful for that. You know, what I love about this is that God is the, the great El Shaddai, which means that he makes a way where we see no way. He makes a way where we see no way. I'm in, a, I'm in a bit of a season in my life at the moment. I do think I'm in the bit of a eye of the storm, so to speak, and my life looks very chaotic on the outside, and I've got family stuff going on. I've got desert lands. I've got clearly in the wilderness because God said I was going to be in the wilderness for a year. But I have never, and hear me when I say this, church, I'm not using it as an analogy. I'm not using it to fluff it up. But I have never, ever, ever felt the peace of God in my life like I do right now. And I mean that. I've been a Christian for nine years. I've known the Lord. You know, I've known Jesus my whole life. I grew up Catholic. But I have never understood what it means to be in the midst of a storm and understand his, his peace. And feel it tangibly, church. I'm not even joking. I'm Italian. I'm in an Italian family and they are crazy. What is going on in my family is crazy at the moment and they're all very dramatic and there's a lot of drama. And I have, like, usually I get caught up in that. You know, we're human. It's all a bit fun and not really fun. But, you know, you get caught up in the drama sometimes. But there has just been this peace in my world that truly I have never felt before. And I understand that scripture that says, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And you know, there are areas in my life, let me tell you, church, it's a desert. It looks impossible in the natural. There are things that I've been praying for, that I've been desiring. It looks like a desert. It is a, it is a dry land desert. There is nothing there. It is barren. It is bare. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that God is going to bring that river that God is going to bring those waters because he promised me that he would and he promised every single one of us that he would. You know, I love impossible places because it demands a miracle. Impossible places, things that seem impossible in the natural actually demand a miracle because it's not going to happen any other way. I have tried and I have strived and everybody, I'm sure we've got areas in our lives where we have strived and God, why? Why can't this happen? Why can't this be? Why aren't you doing something? 
There are areas in our lives where we, you know, we've strived and we've tried. Let's be honest, I'm, you know, I'm a woman as well. I try to make things happen. I want everything yesterday. But God has said, has, has stilled my heart and said, you know, I am going to bring that river. I am going to bring those things to life in Jesus' name in my time. Because you know what happens in these, in the journeying through, in the path of the wilderness and waiting for those rivers to come, he's building our character. Because the places he wants to take us actually need us to be, have character and substance. And it doesn't matter how talented we are, how beautiful we are, how, or how talented, you know, you don't feel or you do feel, how skilled you, it doesn't matter about those things. God wants to take us to those places, but he needs our character to be strong and sound and he needs to be number one. You know, one of the greatest revelations I've had recently is that he, you know, very clearly said to me a few weeks ago, um, we had our every woman night. Girls, get to every woman. Honestly, they change your life. This changed my life. It will be a significant moment in my life for a very long time, I'm sure. Um, three weeks ago, so the family stuff started happening. There was a lot of chaos. And I remember walking into that night. I wasn't, I didn't want to go. I didn't feel like it. I was tired. There was a lot going on. I'd spent that whole week being a dramatic Italian and crying about stuff. And I remember walking in to the, to the night and I felt that peace, and it finally came, and I was like, okay, God, cool, but speak to me tonight, Lord. Cry out, church, I'm telling you, when you cry out to your father, he wants to give you answers, and, you know, he wants to give you that peace, and I just remember crying out to him, and I said, Lord, you know, what is this? What's going on? And this beautiful woman who came to speak spoke a word over me, and it was literally like, I've, you know those moments where you're like, God came, God showed up just for me, <laughs> It was amazing. I haven't had one of those in a really long time and it was, it was amazing and it shifted. It shifted something in my heart and he reminded me that he has a plan for my life, that there is a way out of this season. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. He knows the plan, church. He knows the plan. Our job is to stick close. Our job is to just devote ourselves to him. But he knows the plan. Who's happy that God knows the plan? Because I'm telling you, I don't know the plan. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't even know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. But he does. And I'm so thankful that he knows the plan for my life. And you know, the sovereignty of God in him knowing those things is that he promises a hope and a future. He promises good things. He promises those things will come to pass. But let me tell you, church, he wants those things to come to pass more than anything, but not at the expense of our relationship with him. Not at the expense of a relationship with him. He needs to be first. I don't know what you're praying for, what you're waiting for. But I know in my heart of hearts that he wants to give you those things more than you want them, actually, but not at the expense of a relationship with him. He wants to be in relationship with us above all else. Job 23.10 says, but he knows where I am going and when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. For I have stayed on God's paths. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. 
I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. For once he has made his decision, who can change his mind? Whatever he wants to do, he does. So he will do to me whatever he has planned. He controls my destiny. I don't know about you, church, but that brings me so much peace. You know, I think some people could look at that and feel that control thing. That God, you know, well, what's the point? I've had a few conversations like this recently with people. And they're like, well, what's the point of free will if God's going to control my life anyway? It's actually about the posture of our heart. You know, it's actually about, well, I'm going to yield to God's ways because his word is true. And I want what God wants. I want God's will to happen in my life. I don't want to force things and manipulate things and, and, you know, try to work things out and try to make things happen in my life. I want them from the hands of God because they're going to last forever that way, amen? They're going to sustain and be there forever, not a fleeting thing that happens in life, but I want it from the hand of God, everything. And he wants that for us in Jesus' name. And when he tests me, don't be afraid of the test, church. It's that character building stuff. It's that building stuff. It's that endurance. If we want to last this race, we need endurance. We need patience. We need hope. We need courage. We need strength. We need all those things. And rejoicing in the trial. Apart from his peace, let me tell you, I've, I think I understand now what it means to rejoice in the trial. Because life can suck sometimes. Life can really be messy and get hard and tricky, but to rejoice in those trials, to understand what it is, to keep the joy of the Lord in your heart, to have that peace in your life, man, there's nothing better. I'm actually, like, surprisingly excited about this season of my life because I know breakthrough is coming. You know, and I know there's breakthrough in your circumstance coming. I know that there's light at the end of the tunnel for every single one of us because that's what God promises in Jesus' name. My Italian talking is making me thirsty. Oh, who loves God? Honestly, take heart, church. Take heart because our days are numbered, but they're purposeful. He has a purpose for every single day, for every single moment. He knows the plan. He knows the plan, church. He knows the plan. And he cares that much. He cares so much that he would send his son to die for each of us so we could have that relationship with him. You know, another thing I've learnt, it's going to get a little bit um, gloomy for a bit, but recently after that amazing word I got, I went home that night and um, Gemma, she was, Pastor Gemma, amazing woman. I hope that we all get to hear from her again one day. She really um, shifted something in my life. God really used her. Um, but I remember she spoke the word of um, David and Abigail over my life, 1 Samuel 25. And, you know, Abigail was, um, I'd never really read about her before. I knew she was King David's wife eventually. I never quite knew how she got there. So I went home and I read the scripture about David and Abigail. Now, Abigail was married to Nabal at the time. And the Bible says that his name means fool. So he was a bit of a fool. And um, Abigail was known for her wisdom and beauty. Good on Abigail. She made a great choice. Anyway, so Nabal, Nabal was, um, was a fool, and I, I'm not quite sure how it got there, but David ended up going to 
to Nabal and his men and sending blessing and, and all of these things. And Nabal turned around and was like, who do you think you are? Like, don't be coming here. Rebuked him pretty much. And, you know, David got annoyed, as you do, goes back and, as you do, says, hey, boys, let's go kill him and his, and his men. So um, one of his servants, um, one of Nabal's servants, ran to Abigail, goes, runs to the wife, ladies, to save the day, and goes, you know, David's men are coming to kill him. What are you going to do? And, and Abigail just packs, you know, packs all these things, packs all these blessings, gets on a donkey, gets some of her posse and, and runs over to talk to King David because she's got to stop King David from killing her husband. Amen? So the wife saves the day. The wife saves the day. She goes over, she jumps off a horse, and she gets on her knees before King David and says, you know, please don't kill my husband. I know he's a fool, but the blood's going to be on your hands. You're a man of God. She does the whole encouraging thing, encourages him in, the, in his call in the Lord. And David goes, you know what? Yes, you're right. Amen, woman, be blessed. You're wise. I'm not going to kill him. She goes off, goes back home and finds Nabal drunk having a party. So she decides not to talk to him um, that night and that she'll talk to him in the morning. And this is what the scripture says in 1 Samuel 25, 37, it says, in the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. When I read that, I was a bit like, whoa, that's harsh, God. Okay. And then if you keep reading, word has it that David sends sends word back to Abigail and calls her back to become his wife and live in the castle and they live happily ever after and it's all great. Um, and when I read that, Jesus, I felt the spirit of the Lord say to me, Chrissy, I am going to kill everything in your life, everything in you that is hindering my will from happening in your world. You have to let certain things die. There are things in your life, there are things in our in our circumstances that we have to just let die. What's your it here tonight? You know, God revealed certain things to me that he was like, you need to let these things die. And some of them were things really close to my heart. Some of them were things regarding family. Some of them were things that were so close to my heart that I was like, God, you know, really, you want me to just lay this down and let it die? And I had a vision and I remembered the Valley of Dry Bones. And he was like, Christy, these were bones, like bones, people. They were lying there for thousands of years for all we know. And they came to life. The word said that when Jesus spoke, when the spirit came, when that resurrection power of God came, they came to life. They came to life. And he said, I need those things to die in order for me to bring them back to life again, the way that I want them to. You know, there's, there's things and I don't know what those things are for you. Maybe they're lies that have been spoken over your life. Sometimes it's those things that we want the most, those desires, those dreams. And you know, I remember the Lord spoke to me once and said, Chrissy, that desire could potentially be the thing that takes you out if I gave it to you right now. Sometimes those things we want the most are the things that would take us out of relationship with him. And maybe at times we need to lay those things down and let them die. And it's hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. But God wants his will, he wants his ways 
in your life more than we do because they're the right ways, they're the best ways, they're the ways where we are closest to him, where he is number one. And I know without, without any doubt in my heart that if those things came to pass in my life at certain times, it wouldn't have been the best thing for me at the time. And I heard, I heard a preacher preach once and they said that sometimes God saves us from our own prayer requests. Because sometimes we pray for these things and they're actually not the best thing for us. That's how sovereign God is. That's how, I'm just going to make a little disclaimer. My future husband is very, God has had mercy on his soul. Because if he had have met me like five years ago, he would have been crazy. And so God has had mercy on him. I'm a much better person now than I was five years ago, amen. So there are things, like God just saved a whole plethora of people from a lot of drama in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm getting better, guys. I'm getting better. No, but... You know, like truly, God does have mercy on our situation sometimes. He has mercy, he has grace, he has love, he has everything that we need for those things to happen, but he truly does want to be number one in our lives, above all else. And you know, to let it die means to surrender and to humble yourself. And you know, the word said, when Abigail went to David, she got off her donkey and she bowed and she humbled herself before David. And I was like, cool, God, so what does humble mean? Like how, you know, we hear that word a lot in church, right? Like be humble, humility. And some people look at that as a weak and, you know, oh, just let people sort of walk all over you. You know, you hear those kind of comments. But actually, what humility means is to be in full worship and to be fully trusting in God. To be on our knees before God, you know, those things that you want. To let them die, sometimes it feels like you're dying. You can feel those feelings of grief. You know, I remember having to let go of even like, you know, the salvation of my family. I'm like, God, it looks impossible. They are so hard. You know, they're so, they're so hard, God. How are they ever going to know you? And I had to lay that down. He goes, give it to me. I, I am their saviour, not you. You know, I am their saviour. God is the one who does the job, people, not us. He uses us absolutely, but we need to be surrendered and submitted to him and his will and those things just flow in our lives. And I want to share a really quick story about that. I had that word, <clears throat> got that word probably about two months ago because I was really, you know, just a bit worked up about some stuff and possibly you know, just stressed out about, God, am my family ever going to get saved, you know? And I was sitting um, with everything that's happening at the moment. I was sitting at my auntie's house um, last weekend or the weekend before, and they're quite, um, you know, Italians are very opinionated people, and they like, to, they like to sort of have a good religious debate sometimes. And I was sitting at the table, and my cousins walked in, and we hadn't seen each other for a couple of months, and we're like, hi, hey, hey. Anyway, we're sitting there and one of my um, cousin-in-laws, like, so she married our cousin, um, sat down and she goes, so I hear congratulations are in order. And I was like, oh, yeah, for what? I was like, oh, do I not know something? She said, oh, you became a pastor. And I said, and it was a bit of, you know, a bit of like smarty, like, oh, you're a pastor. What does that mean? And I sort of explained what, what it meant and, you know, tried to keep it simple and, and told them what I do here at church and stuff. And then they were all like, oh, yeah, cool, you know. And then my auntie, my dad's twin sister, can tell they're twins in their, you know, they're hilarious. And my auntie who, she's, they always made the joke that, you know, I turned out the way I did, meaning a Christian, 
because of my mum. And they're like, oh yeah, Christy hung out with her mum too long, that's why she's like this. And we're all like, oh, okay, cool. And my mum just goes, yeah, whatever. Like, my mum loves Jesus and, you know, we're all, we're all Jesus lovers. It's great. And then my auntie turns around and she goes, Christy, I'm going to ask you a question. I hope it doesn't offend you. And I was like, oh, Lord, I don't feel like having a debate right now. I don't feel like, you know, pulling out the theology stuff that, you know, you just have to do. And anyway, she turns around. She goes, what happened to that quiet, shy, scared freaking out over everything, moody, emotional little girl. And I was like, oh, is that it? (laughs) Okay. Um, I said, and honestly, church, it just, like, usually I would, not that I would lie, but I would, like, fluff it up and, you know, oh, I've just, I've made some really good decisions in my life. I couldn't do it. I looked her straight in the eye and I said, Zia, it's Jesus. And I just went, oh, my gosh what did I just do? (laughs) I was freaking out. And she was like, yeah, I think I believe that. I'm honestly in shock by now. I'm like, should I be like falling over? She was like, Chrissy, I never thought in a million years I would see this woman, the person you've become and, you know. And I was like, whoa, God. Like, honestly, they see it. People watch our lives, church. They watch. And you know what? Sometimes we can get caught up. Oh, you know, I don't speak enough about Jesus. I don't share the gospel enough. I don't, you know, preach at people enough. But our lives speak volumes. Our actions speak louder than our words. Amen. Our lives speak in a lot more ways than our words could ever. And I literally said, Zia, it's Jesus. And everybody, like the whole room just went quiet. But there was a peace of God in that place that I was like, wow. You know, I, I never thought that I would even be brave enough to say that. But I couldn't lie in that moment. I couldn't even fluff it up. Because there is no other answer for the very reason that I'm standing here before you all today. It's Jesus. It's the power of Jesus in our lives. It's that resurrection power. It's that transforming power that only Jesus, only the Spirit of God can bring. And it fell in in my family that day. And I was like, you know what, God, I went home and I was just praising God. That I was like, man, if that is one seed and, and I died tomorrow, I'd be one happy girl. I would be one happy girl that I could plant a seed like that in what I thought was really hard soil. But it's God's work, you know. It's the spirit of the Lord. It's God's work. And I was so blessed by that. And I, you know, I just encourage us to live lives devoted to God, which is my last point here tonight, is that, you know, devotion, setting yourselves apart, setting ourselves apart and our eyes on Jesus, being devoted, wholeheartedly devoted to who he is because, like I said, he wants these things, these promises, these impossible situations to turn and change more than we do, but not at the expense of our relationship with him. And, you know, I prophesy here tonight that we are all going to go to deeper levels of devotion with him, that we're going to know him in ways that we've never known him before, that you are going to experience things of Jesus more than you ever have before, that there is going to be a revelation of who he is in your life more and more and more from this day on in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Because I'm telling you, church, there is nothing that I have done, there is nothing that I can do to be any more or any less of a person but love him. 
And you know, there's been seasons in my life where I have been offended, I have been upset, be it with the church, be it with friends, be it with family. But I have never, ever strayed from the paths and the word like it said in Job. I will, I will hold strong the word of God in my life and I will plant myself in the house of God all the days of my life. And I told C3 Bankstown this morning, they can hold me to that. And you too can. Because this is the place where God transforms. This is the place where God brings that resurrection power to life. I don't know what may already be dead in your world that you want to see come to life again. I don't know if you've got family members who don't know Jesus. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what situations you're facing, but he does. He does more than you, you even know he does. You know, when we know the nature of God, when we know that God is good, we will not question his motives. We won't question his motives. He doesn't dangle a carrot. He doesn't dangle, you know, things in front of us and go, ooh, look what I got, can't have it. He doesn't do that. Sometimes it feels like that. I'm not gonna lie, I've had moments where I'm like, God, are you teasing me with this thing? Like, do you see how good this thing could be in my life? But he's like, not now, maybe not ever. But he doesn't dangle those things in our faces. He doesn't dangle those things. He is a God who is true to his word. And he has a way out of the wilderness. He has a way through that situation. He has a river through that desert. He does church and it's coming in Jesus' name. It's right there. The light is at the end of the tunnel. All he wants from us here tonight, I believe, is to be devoted to him. And you know what? Sometimes our miracle, it starts on the inside of us. The miracle starts on the inside. I'm telling you, church, nothing has changed in my life. If anything, sometimes I think things get worse <laughs> in the natural. But there has been a shift in my heart, a shift in my perspective, a shift in my spirit, and it has changed everything. And I know that it's the start of a miracle. I know that it's the start of that path. I know that it's the start of that river coming through the wilderness and in the desert in Jesus' name. And I believe that for you here tonight. Ephesians 3.18 says this, And may you understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness and life and power that comes from God. My prayer here tonight for every single person is that we would understand as much as our limited human minds can take, how much He loves you, how much He wants these things to come to pass, how much He wants to see that breakthrough, how much He wants to see that promise manifest itself in your life, how much He wants to see your family and friends in church with you. He wants that more than we do. But tonight, He's calling us back. He's calling us back to Him because all those things come out of the overflow of our relationship with Him and our devotion to Him. Right now, why doesn't everyone just close their eyes, bow your heads? Lord, you're so, you're so wonderful, God. You're amazing, God. You wanna glorify yourself, Lord, in our worlds. 
So when things seem impossible, Lord, we have no choice but to glorify you. Lord, let there be an internal shift in our spirits here tonight. Let there be a turning back to our first love here tonight in Jesus' name. Church, where are you at? Where is Jesus in your life? Jesus, you know, Jesus came as a man. God sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you and me. And it was a choice. God didn't have to. He could have kept the world going how it was with animal sacrifices and all those kinds of things. But he so wanted to be in relationship with you and me. Straight up. Direct relationship. So he sent his only son to die on a cross. And he watched that son. The word says that he turned his face because there was no other way. In order for us to be in relationship with him, there was no other way but for Jesus to die on that cross. But in all his glory and his grace and his mercy and his love, he rose again to give us life. He took our sin. He took everything. He took our sickness. He took our shame. He took our guilt. He took our fear. He took those circumstances that you're facing in your life. He took those dreams. He took everything on that cross for you and for me. And he rose again to give you a new life. And I don't know where you're at here tonight, but maybe you've never, ever, ever said that prayer. You've never said the prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life. And maybe you want to do that here tonight. Or maybe you've been far from God. Maybe you have left the path a little bit. Maybe those boundaries have just gotten wider and wider and you found yourself getting further and further from your connection with Him. It would be my honour to pray with you here tonight if you fall into either of those categories or maybe you just want assurance here tonight that if something was to happen to you, if you were to pass away tonight, where are you going? I want all of us to be sure that we're going to heaven here tonight if anything was to happen. So right now, if there's anyone in this place, just give me a wave and it would be my honour to pray with you here tonight. Is there anyone in this place? Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to give it a moment here tonight. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone here tonight? It'd be my honour to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for every life in this place. Thank you, Lord, that we are connected to the vine, that we are connected to our Creator, the one who will make the impossible possible, the one who loves us so much, God, that you sent your only Son to die for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that we surrender and we submit our lives to you afresh here tonight. You know, I truly believe that God wants to impart breakthrough here tonight. He wants to impart something here tonight. Something is going to shift. You're not going to leave this place unchanged here tonight. It would be my honour to open up this altar and pray 
get the team to pray for anyone. If, if anything I've spoken about tonight has stirred something in your spirit, if, if you know, if you have impossible places, deserts and wilderness, I don't know what you're facing here tonight, but come, come, because I believe that God wants to shift those things tonight. I'm telling you, church, I stand before you and something has changed in me because I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. I had an encounter with Him. He spoke to me and I believe that He wants to speak to you here tonight. So why don't we stand and worship for a little while longer and I wanna open this altar. There's breakthrough in this place. There is freedom in this place for you tonight. So why don't you worship and why don't you come? Why don't you come? Because I believe that God wants to shift and bring freedom here tonight in Jesus' name. Spirit break Come down. 